0: Welcome to Focus, the productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm Mike Schmitz, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, David.
1: Hey, Mike. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Ready to talk about some of your favorite problems?
1: Yeah. We're going to really uh, just go for it today, aren't we?
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, this is an idea that surfaced in the last episode when we got the opportunity to talk to Tiago Forte. Uh, this is An exercise, not that he came up with, it's uh, originally by a psychologist, is that correct? Physicist. Physicist. Richard Feynman. Uh, But I've heard from lots of people who have gone through building a second brain and they have said that this is one of their most favorite uh, parts of that cohort-based course that Tiago runs is this exercise and doing it together with other people and seeing the kinds of questions that other people come up with. And I thought, why not do that? the two of us.
1: Yeah. And hopefully inspire some folks to try it at home because the process really is interesting. You know, uh, we're going to get into it deeper in the show, but, but, um, Richard Feynman, uh, who I was surprised you hadn't heard of him before, but maybe it's just a thing of my age. Uh, he is a very well-known physicist. He was, I believe at Harvard and he was a very good teacher. He's got some lectures on YouTube that explain physics in a way that I, that even gets you know penetrates my dense brain and it's just a very charismatic guy and a great speaker and teacher and um he was the one that came up with this concept of, uh, of 12 favorite problems and uh to begin with i i really love the idea of interjecting the word favorite before the word problems
0: yeah that is uh interesting those two maybe don't necessarily go together in people's minds
1: yeah, but it works, right? Because mm-hmm. I do think that there is a tendency to look at a problem as a negative. And um, so often a problem is an opportunity. It You know, it, problems create, you know, opportunities to find a new way to deal with something. I mean, I have a really, you want to hear a really banal example? Yeah, let's do it. We have a, a credit card, a family credit card, and um, it got lost yesterday you know one of the kids had the credit card lost it somewhere you know tears anger. you know everybody was upset and 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 i i thought she was overreacting but you know i felt bad at the same time but you you have to cancel the card and you realize that um you know you have like your gas bill and your electric bill all the stuff that you have on because we only have one credit card but i had this apple card i got like a year or two ago that I've never used. I got one because I thought I might write about it someday, but I have it in a drawer that I've never charged anything on it. And I thought, well, rather than just get a new one issued, why don't I use this one? I started looking into what it can do, how I can share the kids one of their own, that it has spending limits, that I get better reporting. And uh, there's a little problem that became a good opportunity to solve it in a better way and manage the money better in the family. I don't know maybe I'm like making that. too much out of that, but it, it just, it was interesting <laughs> to me that the, the whole thing started with tears and it ended with actually us having a better way to deal with a specific issue.
0: Oh, I like that story. And, uh, to make your kids feel better, I did the same thing a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, So I understand all of the things that can be tied to a credit card and what a pain it is to change a lot of stuff over to a new card. But Happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, we we also to get techie for a minute. Daisy and I now have a shared Apple Note where we have a list of everything that we use the card number on. So if we ever have to do there, this again, go. it gets a lot easier.
0: Yeah, but I want to I want to uh, just clarify real quickly here that the twelve favorite problems. This is not just learning to make the best of whatever situation. It's not finding the silver lining. It's not the positive perspective changing stuff it's it's really just this these problems that you noodle on in your subconscious and they're just kind of always there you're not actively working on them very often but they're always right there and what happens is your your brain is kind of thinking about these even when you're not staring at the problem itself even when you're doing something totally unrelated and then because these favorite problems are so top of mind, what ends up happening is you end up connecting some dots and finding some better ways and new and interesting ways to overcome some of those, those obstacles. Uh, But it really has nothing to do with positive versus negative stoicism, Ryan holiday, overcoming the obstacles sort of thing. It's just, what are you curious about? What are the things that push your buttons and then you're kind of all those things are always within arm's reach.
1: Yeah. And it taps into this idea of the subconscious brain solving problems for you. Uh, I've talked about this years ago. i Mac power users on the cooking ideas show. And this is a practice that I use often where I have like mind node or mind maps open on things I'm working on. And the trick is to only work on it in short bursts of time and come back to it. And it's like, suddenly you have ideas on how to solve the problem. And it wasn't because you sat there deliberately thinking about it, but you had this like as a background process, just running, collecting, thinking. And what Feynman's done here is kind of formalized it to something where you acknowledge what they are. And you say, no, these are the 12 that I'm going to be always filtering for as information comes at me.
0: Yeah, why don't we share some of these quotes from Richard Feynman because he probably explains it better than than we can. And at this point, the one I put in here says, you have to keep a dozen of your favorite problems constantly present in your mind, although by and large, they will lay in a dormant state. And every time you hear a new trick or a new result, test it against each of your your 12 problems to see whether it helps. And every once in a while, there will be a hit and people will say, how did he do it? He must be a genius. (laughs) Uh, And that is uh, the background processing you described with the cooking ideas that I feel... Uh, is exactly what this is is talking about
1: yeah and I, I get the impression that a lot of this like some of the correspondence we found researching for today's show was him talking to graduate students for instance and a lot of this is related to science and and the you know the ideas and concepts he was pursuing as a scientist you know five you know 12 favorite problems would be 12 you know mysteries he's trying to solve as a physicist and suddenly he learns something about a completely different discipline but it fits in to a puzzle piece to one of his 12 and and you know there is also science behind the the advantage of interdisciplinary in, in getting to these issues but I think that the world has taken these 12 favorite problems a lot broader I don't know if Feynman ever used it in some of the ways that you and I are using it but I think this is something that can apply even if you are not a Harvard physicist. I think it's something that can apply to your life no matter where you stand.
0: I agree with you. In fact, when I was starting to research for this episode, I kind of anticipated I would be able to find a YouTube video by Richard Feynman explaining this exact thing, but you can't find that. (laughs) You can find lectures that he's given and he kind of talks around some of these concepts, but there's nothing explicitly... 12 Favorite Problems by Richard Feynman. There's lots of other people who have written things about it. And they've taken that quote that I shared earlier and some of the other stuff that he's written online. Uh, One of my favorite resources I came across was this one by Farnham Street, which is the the blog and the publisher behind the Great Mental Models books that uh, we talked about. And he's got this Whole big letter that's published where he's writing to one of his students, and what I love about this letter is there's a whole bunch of insights to be gleaned from this. Um, one of the things, as it pertains to twelve favorite problems, is that no problem is too small or trivial if you can really do something about it. Uh, that was something you had had mentioned in the uh, the outline.
1: Yeah, I, I pulled that straight out of the letter.
0: <laughs> yeah. But then uh, when you think about that, that means that favorite problems, the right favorite problems are different for different people. And that's what I kind of like about this letter is he's basically apologizing to a, formal stu- a former student for giving them a problem and letting instead of letting them discover their own. <laughs> and then uh, kind of rebuking them for picking a problem that isn't very exciting to them. Uh, and basically encouraging them to whatever it is that you're excited about, no matter how small it seems, you should be solving for that and you should be helping other people to understand that. And that kind of reminded me of one of the the core values at the uh, convert kit company. I've been to the Craft and Commerce Conference and they really do a great job with that. But they have, uh, when you go to the conference, at least the last time I went, they have t-shirts that they give all attendees with one of the diff- company core values on it. Uh, yeah. One of them is create every day. I've got one of those stickers on my iPad, uh, but another one is teach everything that, you know, and, uh, it's easy as a creator to think that, well, what I have to share, everybody knows this already. So I shouldn't be the one sharing this. Somebody who can speak better to this should be talking about this. And it's really an encouragement to remember that there are people who are just not quite as far on their journey as you are. And those are the people that you should be looking to help. Those are the problems that you should be thinking about solving.
1: I mean, the only reason I even know about this idea of 12 favorite problems is because Tiago Forte took it from Feynman. You know, I mean, the the very process demonstrates that. And but I do think the word favorite carries weight here. And that was one of the issues of this letter. We'll link it in the show notes of saying, you know, it has to be a problem that you're excited about, something that you want to solve or you don't have a chance I mean I'm, I'm paraphrasing but I I really like this letter there were a couple other quotes in here that stood out to me and one of them is I think because we're going to ask you to do something at the end of the show we, we want you to make your your own 12 favorite problems and uh finding out how do you do that you know how do you find a problem that's worthy of the list something that's not so specific like you know you know how do I get the uh the horsetail to start growing again in the backyard because lately it's been drying out uh, or something that's too broad like how do I accomplish world peace you know but you've got mm-hmm. to find something in the middle and, and he he addresses this he says the worthwhile problems this is a quote from Feynman the worthwhile problems are ones you can really solve or help solve the ones you can really contribute something to a problem is grand in science if it lies before us and solved and we see some way for us to make some headway into it. So I do think when I went through this process I really was mindful of that. And I tried to come up with problems that are specific enough that I can make, you know, progress on them, but they're also grand enough for me to feel like progress is worthwhile.
0: Absolutely. That that encapsulates it perfectly. You, they need to be something that are going to stretch you, but they're not going to be so far out of your reach that you get discouraged. Like, there's no way that I can possibly make a dent in uh, in that goal or, or objective. To use a, a different word for this, like you mentioned, world peace. You know that that feels so unattainable for an, an individual. You got to be able to measure your own progress by uh, the things that you're going to be doing as a response to these favorite questions or favorite problems. Uh, I almost said favorite questions there because I feel like that is another aspect of this is that whatever problems you are trying to solve, uh, they probably are going to end up in some way, shape or form as questions that you ask yourself. I was reminded of the conversation that we had with Mark Champagne and asking better questions. And uh, I feel like the right questions will naturally point you towards the right problems.
1: I agree. And it's interesting, I, as I was working on this process, I started it as a document right after we did the interview with Tiago. And that's when we actually recorded quite early. So I've had like three in here, but I keep coming back to it. And originally they were just concepts, but eventually they all turned into questions, which is, I didn't really expect that, but I guess that's only natural. Another thing that I tried to do when I was going through and make mine is not throw myself softballs in the sense that these are not problems that I can necessarily solve. These are problems that I could possibly solve, but pretty almost every one of my 12 problems are ones that I may not pull off. Sure. And I think that, I think that's kind of important.
0: I think that is important too. I'm kind of curious. Do you think if you were to practice this consistently though, and you, you started off with the softball questions Do you feel like over time, as you ask yourself those questions, you would realize that I should be stretching myself a little bit more here?
1: I don't know. I mean, this is a new practice to me. I I do think for me, and we haven't even discussed this yet, but how do we judge ourselves on these now that we've gone through the process? I mean, it needs to be more than writing them down and talking about it on a microphone once. I think it needs to go into my monthly or quarterly review and I think really the way I, I'm i going to weigh progress is, is just with that term progress, you know, have I made progress on that? Some of these will end at some point, some of my problems, you know, they, uh, I will find out whether I pulled it off or not, but some of them I think are going to take a while. And I'm just going to look at the kind of in sense of progress, you know, the usual mantra from Sparky, don't be hard on yourself to see if you're making. you know, you know, if you're doing good on it or not. So that's what you should be judging.
0: That makes sense. Um, I, I do think maybe there is uh, an opportunity with these to make them too outcome-based. I kind of wonder if maybe the magic of the question and kind of what activates the, the power of it is the fact that you don't have to necessarily track progress against it or mark it as done. Just being curious about this thing and whatever comes out of that curiosity is, is okay. There, there's no expectation that I am going to achieve X result at Y date because I have entertained this problem. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like some of the ones I have chosen are of that ilk and some of them do have kind of terminations. Like there's one in relation to one of my kids that at some point they will progress in life to where that is no longer a favorite problem because it won't be a problem anymore. And um, so, you know, I've got to like kind of balance that. But I guess what we should do is start getting into the meat of this. (laughs) Let's do it.
0: This episode of Focus is brought to you by Setup. Getting things done is a challenge that everyone struggles with. And one way to tackle it is to make sure that you have the right tools for your computer. That means having the right apps. And the best way to discover new quality apps and get all the tools that you need to be successful and productive is Setapp, a subscription for quality Mac apps. Setapp packs over 240 apps into one. There's an app for almost any task, so you can stay in your flow and finish what you've started. So you can think about your tasks, not the apps that you're going to use. SetApp also now allows you to take your projects, your iPhones and iPads as well, with support for iOS companion apps for your Mac favorites like Ulysses, ToDo, and TaskHeat. Plus, they have a dedicated curation team that only selects the highest quality applications, so you don't have to search for the best tools anymore. They're already in SetApp. SetApp is a great value. Instead of paying thousands of dollars for separate licenses, there's just one flat monthly fee. New apps are added to Setapp regularly, and updates are free, and all the apps are the full-featured Pro versions. I love Setapp. I've been using it since day one, and the apps that they have available are amazing. In fact, frequently, I'll come across a new app, and I'll think, that looks really cool, and I'll think about buying it, and my first thought is to go check Setapp and see if it's available there, because most of the time, it is. Some of my favorites include MindNode, which I use every single day for creating mind maps, X, which allows me to do a whole lot more than the standard built-in screenshotting tools, like even create animated GIFs, and DropZone, which is a menu bar app that I use to drag files into a shelf and then pull them into other applications like Obsidian. But this is just scratching the surface. There are so many quality applications in here head over to setapp.com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D, to try Setapp free for a week. And if you like it, you pay just $9.99 per month. That's setup.com slash focused. Our thanks to Setapp for their support of the Focus podcast and all of Relay FM.
1: Okay, Mike, well, why do I feel like I just stepped into a hot seat here?
0: Because <laughs> you kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> So want to talk to us about
1: some of your favorite problems? Yeah. When, when we, when we decided to do this show, it seemed like a great idea, <laughs> but uh, uh, here we go.
0: Now the pressure's on.
1: These are not, I'm not sugarcoating it. These are what I came up with. The process took me about three hours. If you add the time after the Tiago interview and the time over the last three or four days. And um, I, uh, I did a lot of soul searching for this and actually that, I want to talk about that later, just the experience of, of doing this, but I have 12 um, and they're not in order of importance, but they are kind of categorized by areas of my life. You know, the, um the first one for me is kind of the, and I don't know if I um if I phrased it well, but here it is. How can I help people turn their technology into a force for positive change in their lives? And uh, you know, when I decided to stop being a lawyer, it was because I felt like I had this calling with respect to Max Barkey. You know, technology has made false promises to us. So many people are in worse shape in their lives because of technology instead of better. But if you know what you're doing with technology, you can actually, you know, take advantage of it and, you know, do the things that are important to you and have time to enjoy your life. I feel like there is a recipe there for people and that's, the reason I'm doing all this that's the reason I stopped being a lawyer it's the reason why I'm doing all this Max Sparky stuff is so I want to give people the tools to make that happen for themselves so um, that is kind of my sense of purpose and if you read anything I've written the last six months with this big transition in my life that's basically what I've said um, so that's my number one favorite problem and that like how do I do that better you know How can I help people do that? And everything that I see really does get filtered through that. When I learn of some new app or some new technique, or uh, when I hear about something somebody's doing, I do think: Is this something I can use to help further that goal of helping people make technology work for them instead of against them?
0: I love this question. This is, yeah, I agree. This is the Max Sparky question. (laughs) Um, But what I love about this is the overlap of the the different. Areas of what you do, and how you've kind of condensed that into a, a single sentence, but then also the question format of this kind of provokes opening and recognition of other opportunities that you can use to connect things that you could be doing into this this purpose. Uh, I have a similar thing like this, not in my questions. I maybe should have done that. I, I like what you did there. I, I may modify mine, but. Uh, I have this concept I call a life theme and I do filter everything through a connection to that, that life theme. And basically what you've done is you've turned that into a a question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's my filter. Like if I'm going to ask a guest on a show, can they help with this problem? If I'm going to decide to make a field guide, if I'm going to make content for the labs members, I mean, this is the big filter for me. And, um, it's funny because this has always been lurking in the stuff I've done, but only by forcing myself to focus on one thing have I got the clarity out of this that I needed. It's relieving. You know, I, you know, <laughs> a lot of this stuff we were reading from people talking about 12 questions, talking about how you use your 12 questions to find your purpose. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel at this point in the universe, I know my purpose. I don't need to figure it out. I just need to execute on it now, which made... I think this whole process a lot easier for me.
0: Isn't that amazing though? I mean, we'll go on to the next, next question here after this, but uh, you mentioned you've been doing this for a long time. You've been creating very specific content for a very long time. And then just the act of going through this exercise brings the clarity, even though you kind of knew this stuff all connects in some way, shape or form, right? There's probably a lot of people in that, that situation. I know I've been there before where you have this vague idea of how these things all connect. But when you force yourself to stare at something and, and actually connect it, it's kind of amazing the, the momentum that can come from that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it, it actually came at the moment that I decided to stop practicing law because this is more important to me. That's kind of the, the focal moment for me. But this is, you know, this is number one for me be, for a reason. Uh, number two, uh, how do I continue to make content that helps and interests people? I mean, one of the things I'm doing now is I'm making my living by teaching and helping people learn about stuff. If people aren't interested in what I'm doing, then I'd no longer make a living and I've given up my other career. So this is a problem of mine. You know, it's a favorite problem. I don't really feel negative about it, but it, it does motivate me to find new ways to find interesting and helpful content and the words interesting and helpful were deliberate it took me a while to figure out you know originally the draft was how do i make content that interests people well that's not really true there's plenty of content that interests people that i'm not interested in sharing Mm -hmm. i wanted it to be helpful but it also needs to be interesting helpful for the purpose of you know the, the big goal, the big purpose of helping people and it needs to be helpful and then interesting. So they'll pay attention to it. So that was how I kind of came up with that one.
0: I like that. And I feel like that's a pretty brilliant distillation of a potentially competing forces, right? You want something for yourself, but you also want to give somebody who doesn't know about you what they want. And that's the interesting part, but you want to feel like you are making a positive contribution, living out that first question. So making it it helpful. Uh, I love how these fit together and how this is kind of a, a practical distillation of the the first question. Uh, it seems like this is the kind of thing you could very easily put on a checklist for everything that, you know, you get an idea for something you want to make and you check the box. Is this interesting <laughs> or is this helpful? And if it doesn't check one of those boxes, then, you know, it, it again, a filter. So you decide not to do it.
1: Yeah, it's almost it needs to check both boxes, really.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: It's always felt to me kind of like the secret agenda of Max Barkey is to make people better at this stuff in a way that is not, you know, I don't want to get into it all again. But, you know, technology wants your attention. It doesn't want to help you anymore. So I feel like there, but there's a way around it. And so this all kind of ties in. This third one is somewhat related, but I feel like it's a separate problem. Um, how do I teach this better? And this is in italics for me. And um, the other thing that I kind of realized as I was going through the whole process of shutting down the law practice and winding up Max Barkey as the thing is, you know, how do I categorize myself? How do I think of myself? Um, you know, I know it's very popular to say you're a content creator. You know, I'm a content creator, fancy, right? You know, but really, I think fundamentally, I'm a teacher. And the stuff I do is meant to teach people. And so that needs to be my focus when, you know, I am sharing this information, assuming it's helpful and interesting. The next challenge is finding an interest, a good way to teach it. And I certainly don't have all the answers. And because of the technological nature of so much of the stuff that I teach, it's always changing. This is a problem that I should constantly be thinking about. Is there a better way to teach this?
0: I like that. Uh, it could have a lot of different, uh, a lot of different results. I feel like as time goes on, how do you, I teach this better? Could be you've got a different mental model or understanding of a concept, a different visual that you can use to communicate the idea. It could also be a platform change, like yeah. going from high books to field guides, <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's a, a lot of different avenues that the answer to this question could take.
1: And even the format of it, like I was thinking about when I went through law school In the law school I went to, they were very strict about the Socratic method. The teachers never told you anything. They only asked questions. The whole process was questioning you. And it was like, it, you know, should I be spoon feeding? Should I, you know, get the, should I get my listeners, readers, followers to try and figure out some stuff on their own? It's, it's like, this is all stuff that I think about constantly and everything I make, I'm trying to like find the right balance to get it across, but also inspire the consumer to, you know, to actually adopt this and use it and spoon feeding them isn't always the answer, but you can't also make it so cryptic that they never figure it out either.
0: True. Yeah.
1: Anyway, it's, that's, that's one of my favorite problems. Um, so, <laughs> so those three really are the focus of kind of my Purpose is Max Sparky. You know, how do I how do I get them? How do I you know, how do I uh, how do I get this message across? How do I get good content and how do I teach it well?
0: So you mentioned that you had three that you had right away. Were these the three?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so now we get to the hard part. <laughs>
1: yeah, because the uh, uh, I just thought about it in terms of this Max Sparky purpose, and I hadn't focused yeah. enough on it until we decided we were going to do this show. I'm like, okay, now I got to do the hard work. Um, so then I got thinking about like kind of the internal facing things and I've got several of those, you know, this is the stuff between me and myself, right? Uh, the, the question or the problem that I constantly face, I mean, it's one of the reasons I make this show is, you know, how do I hold on to intentionality? You know, how do I hold on to focus? You know, I talk about it on this podcast. I write about it with the stuff I make and yet I still fail at it so often.
0: Yeah. I have a focus related one on, on mine as well. <laughs> I was hoping you would have something along these lines.
1: I mean, it's not that hard if I just slow slow down enough to, to use all the tools and tricks we talk about on the show all the time. I have the tool set, but sometimes I just lose it. And, and I know that every time I have an intentional day, it feels like a better day. Like I'm actually living it more than when I'm just you know blindly racing from one thing to the next and kind of losing track of myself there's every reason in the world to bring these focus and intentioning muscles uh, to bear every day. And yet I can't do that. So
0: that, that is, <laughs> well,
1: a, that's a problem I need to solve. So, uh, or at least work on.
0: And that's the the thing about the, the question, you know, again, there's multiple avenues for this. How do I hold on to intentionality? Maybe it's realizing that something is stealing your time and attention. Maybe it's just the fact that you've got a lot going on. So you start saying notice some stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's not a a simple cookie cutter answer for any one of these questions, which is what I love about them.
1: Yeah. All right. You want the next one? Yeah. Okay. This one is, uh, you know, everybody has their, their issues they face. This is where I'm getting super hippie. Like I, I had a lot of meditation teachers as I kind of started getting serious about meditation and, One of the things I learned is that a lot of early meditators are dealing with fear, with um, aggression, you know, anger and aggression. Interesting. That is a, it's a very common theme with people as they try to like get more of a quiet mind that, you know, and that has never been an issue in my life. I just don't get angry very easily. And, but I realized through the process that what I do get often is fearful you know, I worry about stuff all the time. My kid lost a credit card yesterday. I'm immediately on the bank website trying to figure out if somebody's like, you know, buying pizzas on my credit card. You know, I just, uh, <laughs> I, I am, uh, at my root, a fear driven person, you know? And, uh, th- as I've acknowledged the monster, I've been able to put him in a box much better over the years. That's one of the reasons why I like meditation, because usually if I find that there's something on my mind I I don't know why I say all this stuff on a podcast, Mike, but anyway, um, if I, if I have a problem in my life, right? Like if I'm worried about something or something is bothering me and I use a practice and meditation of just start saying, well, why is that? Why is that? Just start like kind of drilling into the issue. Ultimately, almost every time for me at the root of it is some fundamental fear, you know? And then once I recognize it, it's like, oh, it's that thing again. It's like a puff of smoke. It goes away. It, it just really helps me kind of process this stuff. I'm like my own therapist, I guess you'd say. But that stuff really helps me. But I'm also like, just like an alcoholic says, I've been sober for so many days. I feel like that with fear. It's like I this is this is a piece of my programming that I'm never going to fully get rid of. I've always got to be aware of it. So, I one of my um favorite problems is how do I become more courageous and less fearful? Because I feel like courage is the inverse of fear and um and I like to think about that daily and in that way I bring it into my actions.
0: That's great. And uh, the big thing from this it sounds like is just the awareness aspect of it. So sure. again, back to the point about the tracking your progress in these things. You really just want any sort of movement in the right direction with this one, right? That's that's really the purpose of this is bringing awareness to the fact that this is my default state. And so I don't want to respond this way. I want to, even if it's one time in the next two weeks, change my reaction, then that's a win.
1: Yeah. Uh, another one that uh, I struggle with is balance. You know, I tend to go extremes at anything I do. And I want to get better at balance. You know, that's one of the reasons why I stopped being a lawyer. So I've got a little bit more time, a little bit more margin. And um, by balance, I mean, you know, being able to spend time with my family, but also do good work. But it goes beyond that. You know, it's also time for my hobbies and, you know, looking at the way I react to things. I mean, it's balance with a capital B. Let's just leave it at that.
0: Sure. And I, I love this one because the balance that you're describing, that probably looks very different a couple of years ago or in a couple of years than it does yeah. right now. And so just intentionally leaving it ambiguous, it can mean whatever you want it to mean at the moment that you're asking yourself that question.
1: Yeah. And getting back to what we were saying earlier, this is one of those that is on the list for the duration. I feel like, you know, it's not going mm-hmm. away. Another one that is interesting to me. It's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I talked about on Deep Focus how I'm getting back into woodworking. Um, People already know I like to play my saxophone. And something that comes to mind for me is that I get a profound sense of satisfaction from creating art for the sake of art. I mean, I would argue that what I do as Max Barkey is art too. But doing art just for the sake of it, to me, is deeply rewarding much more so than you know watching tv or you know a lot of the other things you would do with your downtime and um getting kind of started again with woodworking and like the way i do it is going to be a way that you know i just do primarily do hand tools i cut all my joints by hand i'm the most inefficient woodworker on the planet but it's the process of making the art and seeing it afterwards that i find extremely satisfactory, you know, and the same thing with music. And, and I just feel like, um, whenever I get in a bad spot, it's usually when I'm not making enough art. So I think a, uh, a favorite problem for me is going to be, how do I make more art? I think when i make more art, everything else I do gets better.
0: I love that. As you were talking about art, the thing that came to mind was this, uh, essay that Derek Sivers wrote. The title of the essay is how to do what you love and make good money. It talks about having a well-paying job and then you can seriously pursue your art for love, not money. And when I read that, it really hit me like, yeah, that's the approach that I want to take. But the the URL for this is balance. Yeah. (laughs) Going back to your previous question. So I feel like uh, balance and art, however you want to define those, uh, those are going to be connected for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing with the woodworking that I like is there are people who make their living making furniture and they've got to make what the client wants. They've got to make it on a schedule. They've got to use a lot of loud screaming machines to do it. Whereas I can take a year to make a box and it doesn't matter as long as it's, I make it the way I want to. And I enjoy the process. Yep. The joy is in the journey. (laughs) Um, There's a great uh, Latin quote. In fact, I was, I'm going to carve it or put it on my workbench. Um, Ars longa vita brevis. Have you ever heard that before? I have not. Life is short, art is forever. <laughs> I love that. Um, the uh, the so that's kind of the self facing ones, and then there's a couple more practical ones. Actually, there's one more practical one on self facing, and this is a temporary problem for me, but it's an interesting and uh, favorite problem of mine. Is I'm really getting serious about this idea of a sabbatical. I mean. We've had guests on the show. We've talked about on the show. Um, you know, just yesterday, I read about Jason Kotke's on a sabbatical. Now, um, you know, Sean, I think is really kind of the, the inspiration for me and the way he's doing them. I'm not talking about the, you know, formalized university sabbatical process, but a way for me, and frankly, I'm not thinking about a year off and thinking about a week off once in a while where I just have a week that's not scheduled. Um, I haven't really done it yet. You know, I, I tried to do one back when I was still a lawyer and it kind of worked, but it, it really wasn't a true sabbatical because of the nature of my life at the time. I'm still in the middle of a big transition, so I don't really feel like I can do it right now, but I'm working towards it. And it's a, something that like I am actively working toward. And I know some of the listeners don't like to hear about this stuff. It sounds too, uh, internet, you know, geek nerdy, but. I think it would be really helpful once in a while to just like step away for a little while.
0: Totally agree. (laughs)
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, So another uh, problem I have favorite problem, and this one has just been inspired with the long arc of my life is I feel like right now at this point in my life, I've done a better job with this one than ever. And so I want to be more, I want to acknowledge it and keep working on it. And how do I find uplifters and escape bring downers? you get that one? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. At some points in my life, I had way too many bring downers and now I'm surrounded by all these uplifters, you know, and I think about my friends like you and some of our other friends that I talk to and I always leave the conversation feeling better about the world and myself. And those are the kind of people that I need around me. They feed me, you know, and, um, that is a favorite problem. And, and it kind of impacts who I decide to spend my time with. I'm not going to get in arguments with bring downers. I'm not going to fight with them, but I'm going to run from them.
0: Yeah, it's not worth it. I remember doing a an exercise one time where I made a list of all the people that I regularly interacted with and I rated them yeah. from plus 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 to uh minus minus based on when I think about a standard interaction with this person. Are they bringing me life or are they sucking life out of me? And that's maybe a terrible way to think about it, but basically what I want, and it's not like I'm going to stop talking to the people who every time I talk to them, they want something from me, but I'm going to recognize that going in and I'm going to do everything I can to be around the people who are the uplifters as you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And for my last three, I have some, some uh, problems that are specific to specific people. You know, the three most important people in my life, wh- my life are my wife and my two daughters. And with each one of them, I'm currently facing some transitionary problems. Like uh, the Sparks household is in a state of transition now, like never before. With me, like giving up being a lawyer and making this big transition. And then with my wife, we are transitioning our relationship as our kids are growing up on us. You know, for so many years we were a parental corporation, right? I mean, that's part of being, raising kids. They take over and they are the most important thing in your life. But my kids are getting to an age where they don't need us as much. And we're transitioning to that. And if you know anybody that's gone through this, they call it empty nest syndrome. A lot of people get divorced um, when their kids grow up because they don't have anything in common anymore. And, you know, we fought against that the whole time. We, we, we still have a great relationship. I'm not in jeopardy of divorce here but as we make this transition i want to do it artfully you know i want our relationship to grow in different ways and she's going back to work again so i'm like doing a bunch of stuff for her because i want her life to be easier you know i'm doing more laundry and stuff like that and i just want to figure out how to make this transition work that but that is a that's a favorite problem of mine right now as we go through this
0: I love this. Uh, I've got several of mine, which are uh, related to my uh, significant other and my kids as well. And just to clarify, people are not problems to be solved. <laughs>
1: yeah, but it, it, I'm not talking about her being the problem, but yep, the problem yep. is a transition that is happening. And I, if Correct. I do it mindfully, we can make it better. You know, I want to come out of this better than I went into it. You know, and exactly. Yep. The other problem I have, I have two daughters, and and the Um, The one that's on my mind right now is my youngest daughter who was in school to be a playwright and she's doing really well and winning awards and I'm very proud of her, but I have a job to launch a playwright into the world and I want her to be able to do her art, but I also want her to be able to eat, you know, (laughs) and you know, like how do I help her and guide her in a way that she has the option for the rest of her life to do what she loves. And, you know, I can't, you know, I'm going to be gone one day, you know, I'm not going to be able to support her forever. So, uh, how do we figure that out in a way that she gets to do what she loves, but also, you know, to stick with it. You know, a lot of people that get degrees like that end up, you know, out of them, be, not, not from choice, but out of necessity. And I don't want her to ever have to face that. So, uh, I'm thinking about that. I talk to her about it. I give her books and we, you know, Uh, all the things that you could imagine I would be doing, I'm doing. (laughs) And then I have the opposite uh, challenge with my other daughter who just launched. I mean, she finished her master's. She got her first job. She's a high school teacher starting in the fall. And I need to do the opposite with her because I've spent all this time getting her ready for lunch. Now that she's launched, my challenge is I have to figure out how to let her go into the world and make a bunch of mistakes just like I did, just like you did, you know? And mm-hmm. and I have to take more of a hands-off approach and be there for her when she needs me, but, but really let her, let her get into some scrapes and get out of them if she's going to make this work. And uh, that's almost harder, <laughs> you know, right?
0: I can imagine. Yeah, I'm not quite there yet, but that is one of the things I am least looking forward to.
1: <laughs> but I, I'm actually thinking about how do I deal with that? I mean, at some point, what if she gets like, over her head on a credit card or, you know, what if she has a problem at work or something? You know, it's like I uh, I have to let her struggle with those things. I mean, I've always been uh, trying to make my kids independent. We've always made them kind of fight their own battles. But at the same time, when she gets into the real world, it is hard not to want to, you know, step in. And I think the the answer is to not. And I've got to figure that out that that's a problem for me to solve, not for her.
0: Right. Your role is, is kind of changing a little bit and, uh, figuring out where those boundaries are going to be and how best to play the new role. And also figuring out where it complements where she's at in her own journey. That's a lot going on.
1: Yeah. So for like the big taking those three together, my favorite problems right now are transitions in my family and, and, uh, help doing what I can to make them as good as possible for each person. This episode of the focus podcast is brought to you by NetSuite. Go to NetSuite.com slash focused for the leading integrated cloud business software suite and get a special one of a kind financing offer. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is that how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning and budgeting and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. And 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 29,000 businesses already use NetSuite. Why aren't you using it too? Go to netsuite.com slash focus. NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade. Just go to netsuite.com slash focused. Head to netsuite.com slash focused for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash focused is the link. Go check it out. Our thanks to NetSuite for their support of the Focused Podcast and all of Relay FM. All right, Mike, I feel like I kind of laid myself out there. But the good news is now it's your turn. <laughs>
0: Yep. Now it's my turn to be, uh, on the hot seat as it were, (laughs) uh, my favorite problems. I actually cheated. I have 13 of them. I'm looking for one to cut, but I'm not sure which one it's going to be yet. Okay. Uh, at the beginning of this process, I found it hard to even come up with 12. And then once I got rolling, I had a hard time paring it down, but I have a different arc to my questions. I feel than you do. So my first question, the one that came right away, was how can I make things easier or simpler? I have a tendency to make things complicated, (laughs) uh, which is maybe okay if I'm the only one that is working the systems, but you don't do life alone, and with a family unit and five kids, we've got to get alignment is more, that's more important than a complicated process. So what I've learned is even if I feel this is the absolute best version of this thing that needs to get done for our household, if I'm the only one who understands how the thing gets done, that means that often the thing isn't going to get done. Whereas if we simplify it and we make it easier, now there are other people who can chip in and help because they understand why this thing needs to get done. And the family aspect is only one arena where this could play out in with the day job. I'm recognizing with a team of about 20 people that you want to get everybody on board with something and you want to actually affect some, some behavior change in the way that people get their work done. Oftentimes the easiest solution is the best solution, right? Occam's razor, that whole mental model. Uh, So I don't want to approach a problem from, okay, I'm going to start from scratch and let's figure out what the simplest thing is. Uh, this question is more taking the things that are already there. So recognizing that the systems that are in place, how does the thing currently get done? And then this question is really, how can I make that thing even just a little bit easier or simpler? So that it doesn't require as much effort to do it.
1: Okay. So can I just tell you when I saw that, I'm like, yes. How did, how did I not <laughs> think of this? I mean, we came up with our list independently. I just kind of pasted it in. And I didn't realize that was, that's such a great question. Just the whole idea of how would this be easy? What if this were easier kind of mentality is something so many of us, myself included need to fold into the system. Yeah. I, I am sorely tempted to have 13 now as well.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess the, the revelation for me on this question and why it was so important is that oftentimes the thing that gets in the way of success, how I have defined it personally and professionally, is often me. (laughs) It's not other people. It's easy to point to things that other people do and say, oh, well, that's the reason that this didn't work. But I've learned to shift my perspective over the years. And uh, instead of finding fault in somebody else for doing something, I kind of, by default now, will look at myself and and say, you know, "I I don't really even care if what they did was wrong. What did I do in this situation that was wrong? And how can I fix this for for myself. So recognizing that I am my own worst enemy when it comes to progress a lot of times.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like it. That's a good one. You started off strong, my friend.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, The next one is how can I live with more meaning? Uh, And this is sort of open-ended. I've got one further down, which maybe I'll talk about this one too. So because these kind of complement each other, how can I live out my life theme? We talked about this earlier. So the life theme, that really is the thing that brings meaning to my life, and that is a distillation of my vision for my ideal future, what I want my life to look like, and the core values that I've identified and we've identified as a family into a single sentence. So for me, that is uh, my life theme helping people answer the question, why am I here by inspiring, encouraging, and teaching them to connect to their calling, discover their destiny, live a life they were created for. And uh, everything that I do personally and professionally, I try to filter through that life theme. And if it's not connected to that life theme, I have a very hard time doing it for very long because I quickly lose motivation. I just see well, I, what's the point, right? So um, how can I live up my life theme and how can I live with more meaning on the surface can kind of be The same question, but I feel like they are a little bit different because how can I live with more meaning? I can find meaning in the moment. You know, if I'm in this situation and these are the people that I'm around, how can I live with more meaning is very different than zooming out. How can I change on a broad scale? You know, how can I make a bigger impact with the by living out my my life theme. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does, but I tell you, I worry about these in a little bit because I feel like they're a little too broad. Sure. What do you, you know where I'm coming from? I mean, it just feels like they're so broad that am I, am I, I mean, everybody's got to choose their own questions. You can't really do this wrong, but do you worry about that?
0: Um, I don't know. I think between those two, if I had to cut one and get it down to 12, I would cut, how can I live out my life theme? Because that I think is kind of answered with this previous one of how can I live with more meaning? And like I said, that one changes depending on the situation. If I am in a scenario uh, and I'm at that point, you know I am doing the thing that is in front of me if I'm at church or out to out to eat with my wife and a, another couple, you know the how can I live with more meaning and that moment looks very different than when I am doing my weekly review and spending thinking time at at home
1: and, and I think you could also argue that that you know your life theme question is answered by the other 12 questions.
0: Yes, I agree with that too. Yep. So maybe that's the one that I should cut. I don't know. Um but I do think the the real thing here is how do I instill more meaning into the things that I'm I'm doing? How do I feel like I am making the most of the time, talent, energy, resources that I have available to me? Uh the next question is more practical, I would say, and that is how can I create more and consume less? Tiago talked about this in building a second brain, uh, and I instantly latched onto it because this is something that I am very passionate about. <laughs> I actually have on my uh, my iPhone home screen using the the WidgetSmith app, just a text block uh, on my first home screen it says "Create, not consume." Because when I pick up my phone, I want a little nudge in the right direction. You know, don't go just surf the endless feeds. Don't dip into the infinity pools. You came here for a reason, do that thing. <laughs> I'm trying to just foster what I consider to be a positive, intentional use of technology because the technology that we have does offer a lot of opportunities to create, but with great power comes great responsibility.
1: I think this is like your favorite problem because you talk about this a lot. And I feel like this is something that you're passionate about, not just for yourself, but for others.
0: That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about which one of these questions is my favorite, but you could be right. This could be the one one that uh, would would bubble up most often. Next question, and this is just something that's kind of been spurred by some of the conversations that we've had lately. Um, Who are my true fans and what do they want? and this is just in regards to all the faith-based productivity stuff that i do the focus podcast bookworm intentional family the youtube stuff all of that you know i can i can look at one of those things in isolation and say oh well this is the person that i'm trying to reach with that but i'm realizing more and more over time that my true fans are the ones who love all that stuff just as much as i love all that stuff <laughs> and for to optimize for any one of those individual audiences would be doing a disservice to my true fans. And so this is just, I, I've been thinking about this a lot already and I've got a whole bunch of things kind of, uh, that I'm noodling on with this, but I want to continue to ask myself this because I feel like just bringing attention and awareness to this. I'm going to get a lot of, lot more aha moments on like, Oh, this is the thing that, that this person is, is, uh, struggling with or coming back to teach everything that, you know, right. And, uh, not, uh, I struggle with that a lot. Like I'm not an expert. There are other people who are smarter than me, done more than me. So who am I to speak to this? And just got to realize that there are people that you can reach, that you can help who are just not quite as far along on their their journey Yeah. and putting myself in, in their shoes, remembering what it was like when I was there and how do I help them?
1: Yeah, agreed. And like figuring that out, I think is a huge step for you. Yep. Because so many people are going to give you contrary advice, but you have to answer that question for yourself.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Next question is, how can I better lead slash serve my family, wife, and kids? And I feel like there's a couple questions combined here. <laughs> but in my opinion, leading is serving. Maybe this is obvious to... The other parents out there, but I'm realizing more and more I I understood this practically because you've got when you have people who are dependent on you, you have to provide for their needs, and just naturally, your preferences and what you do are are going to change. But you can kind of just do that because there's this thing in front of me that needs to get done, Uh, or you can understand what is so significant about the opportunity to serve this tiny little human who is completely dependent on you? Uh, And I'm realizing that leadership really is just serving others, uh, not even in a family context. The further up you go in leadership, the more it's about selfless service and less it's about you, (laughs) which is kind of contrary to how a lot of people think about leadership because they see people who have climbed the ranks and Maybe they see they've got an assistant who they bring them a bottle of water as soon as they're done speaking on stage or whatever. I kind of get the picture of like a John Maxwell type person. But the more you you uh, actually lead people, the more it's not about you and what you want. It's all about the other people and helping them get where they want to go. So I feel like of all the people that I can help, the ones that I really need to s- shine a spotlight on every single day are the ones who live under my roof and ask myself, where can I make an improvement to help them become better people?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I feel like this one is very broad too, but in fairness, like I made one for my wife and one for each of my kids and I only took three questions that would have taken half of your Your questions so you That's really true. you really can't but i would encourage you to take this forget about the 12 limitation and take this like one level deeper and take each each one of those people and think about what you know what is the you know what is the problem that you face in helping them specifically rather you know at least to have in your mind you know for, with each one you know what is toby doing right now that I can particularly help him with.
0: Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Challenge accepted. All right. My next one, and this is again, kind of general, uh, how can I better understand the other side? This kind of gets into the bubble of belief that, uh, we understood from, our friend Ernie recommending uh, Liminal Thinking by by Dave Gray. Basically, you tend to surround yourself with people who think and talk just like you, and uh, you build all of all of your preconceived notions of how the world works on this tiny little sliver of experience, which is one fraction of what true reality really is. And the more I I know. The more, I realize what I don't know. <laughs> that's not even close.
1: Yeah. See, I don't think this one's too broad at all. I think that's a great question.
0: Okay. Yeah. This manifests in a lot of different ways. I mean, just naturally. I guess the the obvious place is you start talking to somebody who disagrees with you. They're of a different political persuasion or something, and the natural uh, tendency is well, I don't want to. I don't want to talk to this person, but. Really, this question is intended to make me more curious and understand things from their perspective. Why do they think the way that they do? And maybe I can learn something from it.
1: Yeah. It's like, I think a a corollary to this is, you know, how can I eliminate so much judgment? I think if you take judgment out of the equation, it makes it a lot easier to understand others.
0: Very true. The next one is how can I have more fun? (laughs) Uh, Because I tend to be very task oriented. And if I commit to something, I'm going to follow through and do it. And uh, I can overcommit; I can get so focused, and I don't know how this is going to get done, but I'm going to get it done. Gosh darn it! And <laughs> I just push myself too hard, uh, and to the to the point where in the past I would physically just wear myself out, and I would get sick every three six months because I just didn't take time to take care of myself, didn't take time to to just slow down and have fun. So uh, I don't have a whole bunch of things that i do for recreation but i want to start looking for some of those
1: i you know knowing you mike it seems a little crazy that this would be one but it totally makes sense and i'm really happy that you put it on your list (laughs) because because i I do know you 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 don't yeah you don't have enough fun man yeah if this (laughs) is what it takes then please keep this on the list
0: all right Uh, next question is what about this would make a good story? And this is inspired by, uh, a while ago I got to do some speaking coaching with Aaron Beverly, who at the time was the runner up in the Toastmasters world championship of, of public speaking. Since then he's actually won. And one of the things that he told me was that I should keep a story file. And, uh, A story file can exist really anywhere, but it's just a collection of different stories, significant things that have have happened in your life. And so I've gone through StoryBrand and stuff like that where I recognize the importance of of stories and I uh, reflect on the things that have happened in my life. There's a lot of good stories in there. So I've done that retroactively and tried to create some of those stories inside of a story file inside of Obsidian. But I want to have this question so that when I'm in the middle of something, I can recognize at that point, oh, this would actually make a good story and uh, go start the, the file for those things and collect more stories.
1: All right. That makes sense. That, that's not a problem for me. The stories just spill out of me. I can't help myself.
0: <laughs> sure. Uh, next one is what can I learn here? Um, I have this personal mantra. Keep going. Keep growing. So really just become a lifelong learner. That's one of the things I want to instill in my kids. And, um, I think that you can learn from a lot of different sources. You don't have to have a a guru or an established teacher. My kids can teach me stuff about myself and about them. Um, and so I want to just whatever situation I find myself in, look for those little nuggets that can change my perspective. Okay. Next one. Is uh, another broad one. How can I set my kids up for success? Um, maybe I should break that down into individual ones as well. Maybe that's encapsulated by that challenge that you gave me already.
1: Yeah. They're both related. The, the family ones, you know, better lead and serve and set them up for success. I mean, those are related. Agreed. Yep.
0: Next one is how can I leave my dent in the universe from the uh, the Steve Jobs yeah. quote. Uh, I added this one because... I was inspired by that quote the first time that I heard it, and I remember at that point thinking to myself, oh, this is how I'm going to leave my dent in the universe, and I have discovered over time that the way that I would answer that question has changed and evolved, and so I want to just constantly be asking myself this one, not because I expect a huge shift frequently when I ask it, but I want to be looking for those tipping points in my say creative career, uh, in order to, to do that. Yeah. And then the last one, how can I focus on what really matters? That one is pretty, uh, self-explanatory. I feel, <laughs> how do I keep the main thing? The main thing.
1: Just like mine with intentionality. I, I, you know, I wonder if we are too broad in our takes at these, I'm looking at some of mine too, but they have to, in order to catch, they really have to be something you act on, you know, something that you make progress on. I I find, I find all of this fascinating and uh, I think you've got a pretty good list here, Mike.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I I don't know if these are, are good or not. I guess time will tell. Maybe we can report back on these after a while, but
1: like when they teach you negotiation, they talk about anchors. Like if you're going to like negotiate with somebody and the thing is worth a hundred dollars and you tell them, "Well, I want ten thousand for it." That doesn't land an anchor because it's so, you know, it's so out there that it doesn't even matter. You know, you have got to anchor it closer to what it's really worth. Um, I think there's a there's a bit of that in this. We need to put enough foundation behind them that when we see things in the world, because the whole idea of this exercise, to me at least, is as inputs come into me, there are things that I may be able to funnel into these you know getting back to the beginning of these subconscious problems it's like i see a thing about like i saw a thing about youth theater recently and i i am like oh you know what that would be a great thing to direct youth theater if you're a playwright it allows you to make some money you know and lets you write your plays and you know so it's like that that goes into through the system down to to sarah right and Of course, she'd already figured that out. She didn't need to hear it from me. But, you know, you know, but that's a kind of, you know, it's like the problems have to be solid enough that when an input comes in, there's a clear path to something. This episode of Focus is brought to you
0: by Squarespace, which is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience and sell just about anything, your products, services, even the content that you create Squarespace has got you covered. With Squarespace, you can sell your products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools that you need to start selling online. You can get started with a best in class website template and customize it to fit your needs. It's as easy as browsing the category of your business to find a perfect starting place, and then you customize it with just a few clicks. And you can get blogging. Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. You'll be able to categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. Squarespace is my default starting place for any web project now because it is so simple and you know that you're going to get a quality product in the end. You really are never sure what you're going to end up with when you try to use one of those pre-built themes inside of a WordPress site, for example, or One of these other build your own services, you might get stuck with some huge branding at the bottom, powered by whatever. And that doesn't happen with Squarespace. The visitors that come to a Squarespace site can't tell that it was really easy for you to make. It looks professional. It looks like you hired a web developer to build it for yourself. And I am a web developer. I used to build sites for a living, but even I don't want to go through all that hassle. There's just so much benefit to be gained from using Squarespace. And it is really flexible. allows you to do a whole bunch of things. I've used it to set up an online store for someone who wanted to sell their custom-made barnwood furniture. I used it to set up the podcast that my wife and I do, The Intentional Family. I used it when my church came to me and asked for a new website because I didn't want to have to be the one maintaining it. I wanted to be able to give the keys to somebody there and they could maintain it themselves. Squarespace allows us to do all of these things. And it's very simple. It's going to look great on any device because those themes just look awesome and they give you a great starting place. You can customize it as much as you want. If you know all the CSS, you can go in there and add all that stuff, but you don't need to. You, If you want to just focus on your content, you can just do that and you know you're going to get a great product when you use Squarespace. So head over to squarespace.com slash focus, F-O-C-U-S-E-D for a free trial, no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code focus to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com/slash/focus. Then, when you decide to sign up, use the offer code Focus to get ten percent off your first purchase and to show your support for the Focus podcast. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM.
1: I want to take a minute to talk about the process of doing this because I found it kind of uh, uh, very rewarding going through and coming up with these. I, I was putting it off. It wasn't until we decided to do the show that I got more serious about it, and I did do all the reading. we've got some links in the show notes I'd recommend you read but I feel like you it really forces you to kind of boil yourself down a bit when you want to get it to twelve that number twelve kind of helps because you've only got twelve. What are the things that make the cut and um i I you know I, I having just finished the process really this morning um but having gone through it for a while I I found this a very um, illuminating process for me. How about you?
0: Absolutely. Uh, one of the things I was surprised about was the, uh, the fact that I came up with a couple right away. I remember walking out of the interview with Tiago and thinking, this will be no problem coming up with 12 questions. Yeah, <laughs> And then I hit a wall after about three, kind of like like you did. And then uh, I spent quite a bit of time thinking about it. I probably spent a couple of hours thinking just about my my questions and uh I ended up with a bunch and pared them down at the beginning of this. You know, I still had more than than twelve, but actually talking through it has provided a bunch of value too because I realize through conversation how some of those things are are related uh, but i I agree that these need to, in order to qualify for your favorite problems, they need to be connected to the things that are important to you. Uh, One of the visuals that I found in in doing some research for this is these questions that you ask. And then those questions actually direct the ideas that are coming at you towards your favorite problems. Uh, And I have found that absolutely to be the case since i have identified these there'll be things that are bouncing around in my brain and it's like oh yeah maybe that's maybe that's an idea maybe i should jot that down i don't know not too excited about that one and then there are ones that're just like yes absolutely i totally see how this connects and yeah. uh, if that's the only thing i got from the process it was worth it
1: so now that we've gone through the exercise how what are you going to do with these questions
0: I am thinking that I'm going to, well, they already exist inside of Obsidian for me in a, a separate note. And I want to basically bake them into like a weekly review sort of a thing. And I don't think I'm going to attach any sort of objective or outcome to them. I'm not going to try to rate my progress against any of these, but I am going to just look at them and bring them back to the, the top of mind. Uh, I have an a Obsidian... This dashboard note, which I open up every time I open Obsidian, it takes me to that home. And I'm going to put a link there so I can access those more frequently if I want to. But at the very least, I'm going to look at them once a week and and just see if there's anything in the moment when I look at them uh, that bubbles up. Otherwise, what I am trusting is that by shining a light on those throughout the week, I will uh, be reminded of those questions and see how some of the things that I'm interacting with and the ideas that come to me, how they connect.
1: Yeah, you know, I've got with a lot of my journal reviews, I I just ask how am I doing? That's the question. And I don't have a scale of 1 to 5 or anything. Just like how am I doing as Max Barkey? How am I doing as a husband? How am I doing in the various roles, you know? That's my whole roles-based system. But I just ask the question how am I doing? So it kind of eliminates the grading element of it and allows me to be just kind of honest with myself. And I think I'm going to um just just put these questions in the list and ask how am i doing on these these problems you know how am i doing on you know the big goal of max barker how am i doing at getting better at teaching or you know with these transitions with my family and i i could see myself changing them over time but i think i'm going to make them an active part but i'm not going to do it weekly i'm going to start out doing it monthly and quarterly and I don't know that I necessarily will keep it even monthly. I feel like this might be a thing where I just want to see progress over a longer arc and maybe every three months is about right, but maybe I need to see it more often. I'm going to start out monthly and quarterly and see where it goes. But in my head, I, I'm not sure that I need to even do it monthly, but I do think I want to resurface these. And I also want a process where I go back and look at them and figure out if these are still the, the 12 favorite problems. Like, I could see a time when, you know, some of these transitionary problems or, you know, with my family are gonna be solved and they're no longer a favorite problem because they're just not not on the table anymore. And I uh I don't know. I, I don't know how it all play out, but I, I do like having them and I'm definitely going to be reviewing them.
0: Makes sense. Uh I, I think for me, waiting till monthly or quarterly, I would tend to forget about them. So mine is not going to be, you know, spending an hour thinking about these and trying to come up with answers. Then it's just basically reading through the list. I'm anticipating uh, this is only going to take a couple of minutes.
1: That is actually a good idea. Maybe I need to try that too. Wouldn't, wouldn't <laughs> hurt. To keep them on top of mind. I like that.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I've I've realized uh, going through the linking your thinking course by our buddy Nick Milo is that my brain is. uh uh, it's kind of fascinating to me how my brain connects things and it's been doing it for a long time. Even before I went through that, that course, that's all creativity really is for me. It's a formula and you just collect dots and your brain connects them in inspiring ways. You don't really even know how those things are connected, but all of a sudden you see, oh, this is the the new thing. And it's a, a remix of a bunch of dots that you've collected, but there it is. There's, there's the thing that you just then express through, through the act of, of creating and using uh, Obsidian for the first time allowed me to visualize that with the bi-directional links inside of the the notes. And I don't want to get too much into Obsidian, but that's the the thing for me is I realized that, oh, so those links, those allow me to resurface ideas in strategic places, strategic scenarios. When I'm thinking about this, I might also want to be thinking about this other thing. And so that's what the uh, these questions are for me as I'm thinking about my my weekly review is that's the place where I want to be triggered to look at these. And I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time engaging with them at the moment, but I'm going to refresh those dots and bring them back up to the surface. And then trust that that's going to provide value throughout the week. As I encounter things, I'm going to in the moment, see, Oh, oh uh, this is how this thing connects to, to the, uh, this problem or this question and provide more, uh, more inspiration, more motivation to to solve those problems. And like I said, I've actually kind of experienced that a little bit already, uh, but I am expecting that this is going to actually provide a lot more benefit as I ingrain this over time. But it's going to take for me a lot more than just looking at it every once in a while. It's going to be something that I need to constantly be (laughs) reminded about because my brain tends to jump to the new shiny all the time.
1: You know, an interesting idea I had while I was listening to you is I could write a script, I could even make a shortcut, that just gives me a random one from this list anytime I push a button. And that would be an interesting thing to like fold into my shutdown routine just to say, okay, give me a random, you know, favorite problem. And then I can put it in and journal it right there. How am I doing on that? What am I thinking about that? That's a nice way. It, it wouldn't require you to go through all 12 of them at once, but you would constantly be seeing them. Yeah, I like it. Either way, uh we would love for you dear listener to try this yourself. I think both Mike and I feel like it was a worthwhile use of our time. You should give it a shot. See how it goes for you. Maybe it can help you uh make some progress on the stuff that's important to you or or even get you a little bit more, you know, identified with yourself and uh check it out. If you do decide to do it, an excellent place to uh to share the process would be over at talk.macpowerusers.com in the focused forum. A lot of nice, helpful people there. You don't have to lay yourself bare as Mike and I have done today, and we're not asking you to do that. But but I would like to hear if you've gone through the process and what worked for you and what didn't. Maybe we'll follow up on this in a future episode. I would definitely recommend it. How about you, Mike?
0: Absolutely. And uh, just a couple of quick tips, I guess, uh, as we wrap up this episode. Some of the things that I was thinking about as uh, I was trying to figure out what my questions were and my problems were going to be are just what are you curious about? What intrigues you? What sort of things have you always come back to and pursued, or what puzzles you? What are you generally interested in figuring out about life and society, or what? Are, what is a problem that just keeps coming back? You know, you, maybe you solved it at one point in your life, but it it comes back up as a slightly different version of it. You know, it keeps coming up, and you just can't stop thinking about those things. Those are all kind of clues that you can use to. Help identify your own favorite problems.
1: Well, we are the Focus Podcast. You can find us at relay.fm slash focused. Thank you to our sponsors, SetApp, NetSuite, and Squarespace. We'll see you next time.